The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following program belong solely to the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of this radio station, our parent company, advertisers, or affiliates. Welcome to Sharing Our Stories. We share stories of support for individuals in recovery from substance misuse and mental health-related issues. There are numerous pathways to recovery, and each week we welcome powerful leaders and role models who have struggled in drug and or alcohol addiction, have found a pathway to recovery, and who thrive as positive community members with an ongoing vision of success. Join us as we share our experiences, strength, and hope. When the world says, give up, hope whispers. Try it one more time. Good morning, Mile High, and it's Slim along with Tomas Hernandez from Tribe Recovery Homes. And as you are probably just wondering what's going on this morning, I want to invite you to sharing our stories. This is the return of sharing our stories. It's been quite some time since we did this, and uh, it is a pleasure to bring this program back. And if you're like, well, what is sharing our stories? Never heard about it. Mile High, welcome to sharing our stories. And this program is all about the Mile High City and addiction and recovery. Both myself and Tomas have dealt with drug and or alcohol addiction, and we are in our recovery. And Tomas runs an organization called Tribe Recovery Homes, which helps numerous, hundreds of people he's helped over the years in their recovery. He's helped people find their recovery. He's helped people stay in their recovery. He's had the unfortunate experiences of losing people to addiction. And he's somebody with a lot of wisdom and experience experience in the recovery community and myself well I've dealt with definitely some drug abuse in my life and was a serious alcoholic and I finally came to grips with realizing I had a problem decided to face that problem and um, take my pathway to recovery and uh, we started doing this program several years ago and we did it for oh over two maybe three years we had over a hundred guests who came in and uh, on this program we invite people in to come in and talk about their recovery, talk about their addiction, their struggles, how they got into abuse and misuse, and what made them decide, whether it was a family member, it was a a light bulb went off, but what made them decide that it was time to find their recovery and how their pathway to that recovery happened. We did this program for several years, and like I said, we had well over a hundred guests and uh, about probably about a year ago we stopped doing this program and we'll get into a little bit of why we stopped doing this program and, and why it's back today as we do this first return edition of sharing our stories but I mentioned Tomas Hernandez is here from Tribe Recovery Homes. Tomas! How is everybody doing this morning? I hope uh, everybody's well fed, sober, Yes, right. Or uh, thinking about getting sober, nice and hungover on a Sunday. Yeah. Tomas is a big reason as to why this program is back. His organization, Tribe Recovery Homes, is the sponsor of this program. And Tribe Recovery Homes, we're going to tell you lots about that, not only today, but over the coming weeks. And hopefully, if you or somebody you know is struggling in addiction, Tribe Recovery Homes might be something that helps you out. We're also going to bring in other people and other organizations because Tomas is a big believer that, hey, if his organization doesn't work for you, he's got one that does. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not the one all end all be all with Tribe Recovery Homes. Um, You got to understand that um, nothing's cookie cutter. You got to find your placement. You got to know what you're going for. You got to know what what fits for you and your situation. Um, Many, many people struggle. Many family members sit um, as we speak right now, lost with a loved one and they don't know what to do. So um, 
Yes, Tribe is the sponsor. Yes, we'd love to tell you all about Tribe and what we do, but we also would like to get a lot of people here, um, a lot of different organizations, so you know what fits for you. Because at the end of the day, it's uh, compassion, love, peace, sobriety, and uh, getting that loved one to where they need to be. It's not a it's not about just tribe. It's about uh-huh. life. It's about humanity. It's about making Denver and, and Aurora and the Metro Denver area a safe and beautiful thing. We're in a lot of uh, turmoil and a lot of uh, confusion in today's world. And uh, I would love to, I love, I love the opportunity right now to, to sit with Slim and, and to, to make sure that we can have a voice out there and continue this beautiful show. I've been on this show a few times and Man, um, I haven't found my executive director of Tribe through this show. That's awesome. You know, uh, a person that, you know, Sean is, is is my guy. He's, you know, the first person that I've seen when I needed clothes when I was in Stout Street Foundation. When I went up to the place called Fashion Disaster, that's the first time I met Sean. And I needed, you know, I need some work boots. And I didn't have nothing on mm-hmm. when I was in rehab. And, you know, just, you know, it's a continuation of that family. And, you know, that, that uh, and it's fun. It's, uh, you know, to advocate and. In my yeah. eye. Uh, sorry, sorry. Go sorry ahead, go ahead, Sean go ahead. is somebody who used to do this program with us. He's currently working in Florida, helping people uh, in uh, recover from the hurricanes out there and Absolutely, so on. Absolutely, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but Tri Recovery Homes is is the the big reason that we were able to bring this program back by by their sponsorship and their love. And if I didn't if I didn't mention my name is Slim. If you're like, wait, who are you? I'm, I'm Slim. I, I work here at uh, these radio stations for Max Media of Denver, and uh, I'm just I'm a guy from from Denver who's in recovery who wants to share that you know what we suffer and we also can get out of that suffering. And um, this program disappeared for a while because I realized I was still suffering and I don't think I was right to do this program. And um, I kind of cleaned that up. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, I want to talk more about Tomas um, and and give Tomas a moment to kind of talk about how he got into Tribe Recovery Homes, uh, how he created it and um, where he comes from, because you're a Denver native. Yes, sir. Yeah, I am a Denver native. Um, you're gonna see that Denver native with a big Raiders hat on, Las Vegas, Oakland, that, L.A. That, see, now that doesn't make sense. Be a Denver native, and then and then tell me yeah. how much you're gonna see. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. see this I Las mean, Vegas Raiders hat. You, you're gonna see me walking around. I'm an oddball here. I got you know, I got flames on my head like Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah, you are you covered know? in tattoos. Covered in tattoos, tattoos but, man. But you know, when you when you first walk up to Tomas, you can see menacing. You you can definitely look like a menacing guy. Tattoos on. On both your hands, all over your body, yeah. tattoos on top of your head, like you said, like Bam Bam Bigelow, up your neck, down your back. But um, you're a big teddy bear, man. Well, yeah. you're also you're also real serious with this recovery, though. Yeah. You're also real serious in this community. Yeah, you know, um, we were talking earlier. You know, my my story is a lot like you all that that's out there. You know, um, very early addiction, very early um, confusion, mental health. Uh, you know, I, I I did my tours in jail. That's not something that I'm proud of. You know, I'm not that guy that's going to tell you that I did all these years and it makes it a badge of honor. You know, when you go to jail multiple times, you're terrible at crime, man. You, <laughs> you suck at it. You know what I mean? It's time for a career change, and I'm yeah. glad that I did that. You know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, you're not the only one doing time. Your family is. You're also proof that you can have success after prison. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, boots on the ground. So what Tribe's about is, you know, uh, I got sober. Uh, I got clean in uh, 
in May of uh, of 2013. And how long were you dealing with your addiction? Man, I, I took my first drink when I was eight years old. I did <laughs> I did my first uh, hard drug by the time I was 11, 12. You know, I'm uh, you know daily smoking weed, coke, methamphetamine, you, you name it. I've, I've put it in my body, and uh, I didn't wise up until I was 37. You know, I got a father that's uh that's multiple years clear and over 45 years clean. And uh, he got sober when I was two. So I never, I never, I lived with recovery my whole life and I had no idea. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I had no idea. You know, I'm a, you know, for today, what I used to be sober is, you know, I'm a, um, I'm a, I'm still a 12 stepper, Narcotics Anonymous. I go to Narcotics Anonymous. I go to all, all A's, any A's. Cocaine Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, you name it. If there's a meeting there, I'm going to go to it. I'm also a Freemason, Prince Hall Freemason. You know, I'm very proud of that. You know, Centennial Lodge Four, and that. You know, my father, he's actually, he's a, he's a Knights of Columbus. So it's kind of like you know, it's always that that thing. You know, you got those generational things that was generational negative, now it's generational positive. That's awesome. You know what I mean? And we changed the bill. My nephew works for us. He's got five years sober and clean. You know what I mean? We're, we're breaking that mold, and that's uh, that's you know, and that's what gets to tribe. Tribe is family. Tribe. People ask if we're indigenous. We're not indigenous by any means. Um, yes, we do have we do have natives that come in, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we love them to death. You know, my clinical director Osvaldo Cabral. He's you know full on. But every say, Saturday, sweat. When you say tribe, you mean a brotherhood, you yeah, know, and a sisterhood, bro- and yeah, a sisterhood. Absolutely. So you know, now that we have started as males. You know, I got I got some funding that I could put together a female staff because we believe that females help females get sober and clean. Mm-hmm. And that's how we do that. And us males that are in that program and, and as staff, we stay out of the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a great women's staff that, that works with these, these these beautiful women that come, these participants that come in. So, you know, tribe means family. Yeah. You know, you, when you don't have a family. We're going to love you until you love yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to help you. We're going to help you get mental health assessed. We're going to help you get recovery. We're going to help you find a job. We're going to give you housing if you need it. If you just need outpatient, go ahead and come to us. I mean, now we're BHA certified. So, I mean, we even got DUI, felony DUI, level two classes, all the tools that you need to get through, you know, and we're very focused on judicial, you know. I mean, I, you, you know a lot of people in the political scene here in, in Colorado. Yeah, 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 for sure, for you're, sure. You're not somebody who's just talking out the side of your mouth about what I want to do to help you. You're somebody who is ingrained in the community to help people. Absolutely. You know, you, you have to get involved when people are telling you, you know, it's not everybody's always fighting that, uh, that, uh, that, that Trump, that, that Obama, that, let's go to the top. Let's talk about that. You know what I mean? No, you got to get, get, uh, get involved local. Mm-hmm. You got to know who your city councilman is. Mm-hmm. Councilwoman. You got to know them, not know of them. You got to know who they are. You got to mm-hmm. shake their hand, you know, on first name basis. Mm-hmm. Denver, Aurora, what have you, mayors, all that stuff. You need to know who they are. They know, they need to know when you're coming. You know, I was just, you know, I just saw, you know, it was funny. I was uh, I was over at Devin's because I smoke a lot of cigars, and you know, uh, Mayor Wait, Hancock was there. Devin's is Devin's Pub. It's, okay, you know, okay. and you know that's one thing in sober sobriety. Everybody's wondering why are you in a bar. I mean, because I know I can't drink, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean I can't live. Mm-hmm. That means I can't have a chicken wing. I can't have a cigar. I can't hang out with my family. I can't do do those things. I I, I don't need to be afraid anymore. Mm-hmm. But you know, and that's that, and that what takes that to that political stance is you know. Understand what's happening in your neighborhood if you want to do things better for the community and understand what's happening and then get the help that you need. Um, you got to be able to to 
get the money for the for more programs to get positioned right in in your neighborhoods you have to know what's happening in the dome you have to know what's happening in these buildings in these in these buildings not you know I, i'll get a lot of flack for this because you know i'm not i'm not a democrat i'm not a republican i'm an independent i apply i apply to a higher court i, I apply mm-hmm. to god Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, that's the person that I got to talk to anyway. That's going to be a long conversation already. You know what I mean? So <laughs> with that being said, you know, we got to go ahead and we got to think about, you know, what we can do today. And, 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 that's, and that's basically um, what their initiatives are, what their plans are for us, how they feel about people that are in addiction, how they feel about people in mental health, how, how they feel about people that are in incarceration. There's too many stigmas around it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You got the BIPOC community thinking that, Mental health ain't for them. Mm-hmm. You know, go to church, go to work. No, no, no. If I didn't find the counselors that I needed to, to, to stop that confusion, I still have a counselor today. Man, Matthew Jarvis, Jarvis is, is my Yoda. You know what I mean? That's my Jedi right there. That man helps me every time that I walk into his. And who is his, that? That's my, that's my counselor, man. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't have to use his, uh, you know, the anonymity there because he's all over the internet. You know, he's, he's a great man. He was the first person that I seen on video at Stout Street that was a man of color that could help me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Osvaldo Cabral, my, my clinical director. I watched that man, the first guy that I ever seen really besides my dad, because I didn't even realize that that's how crazy addiction is, right? You just think he's this the lame guy that doesn't do anything on the couch because he doesn't go, I mean, he doesn't go to 12-step meetings. He's the guy that I was like, son, if I was, was going to tell you about the drink that I had in 1977 still, I got a problem. And that's the way he looks at it. But you got 12-steppers that talk about that drink since yeah, 1977, you lot, know what I mean? There's, there's lots of different pathways to people's recovery and lots of different ways of exactly. viewing your recovery. Exactly. You know, since the first time that I got on this, uh, this show, um, the first time I got on the show, I've evolved a lot. And when you're talking about political, political scope, you're talking about community, you're talking about recovery, you're talking about judicial systems, you're talking about business, nonprofit, for-profit, what, you know, the true essence of, of, of the sand of the people on, on there, you know, cause you have a lot of stuff like people think that nonprofits, oh, I need to just go to a nonprofit, like the nonprofit tax credit is like some esoteric anointment from God. Mm-hmm. You got some very terrible people out there with nonprofits. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And you got some very good people that have for-profit companies, you know, and vice versa. So you really got to know what the essence of the company or the organization that's serving the people. You know what I mean? Um, and you also got to be out there rallying for the underdog. There, I know some underdogs that are out there that do great work that don't have enough money. Mm-hmm. They need more money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's where I'm standing at now. And, and I've been blessed to be, be put in these commissions and, and help people develop where where the funding goes. And like I see the, the underdog instead of hating on them, like all oh, tribe needs all that. And the tribe don't need all the money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we and we can't we can't serve everybody. You can't help everybody. Yeah. You There's know, too many people. Exactly. You know, we have our set fit to scale for each each or each part of the uh, the whatever part of, uh, you know, we have two treatment centers. We have Boulder. We have Denver Metro. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're set for those people to serve and we don't try to get out of that scope. So, you know, getting back to what I was saying about helping other people with funding, you know what I mean? You just, you know, you see that underdog there and you get that chance like, man, the people that don't really know them are like this gentleman right here or this woman right here really could use that money. Mm-hmm. They do great work with the kids. You know, you got, you got great organizations out there. Like, a, you know, like my, my homegirl, like LaShonda with Star Girls. She's, she's awesome. What is Star Girls? Star Girls is, is a is a juvenile, um, uh, like it's it's for girls. Yeah, it's for girls, adolescents. Um, it's an empowerment program. 
You know what I mean? They don't really have addiction. They do have, they might, they might not mental health, but it's, it's really an empowerment for these girls to have better lives, to become leadership. You know what I mean? Then you got different organizations out there that are giants that the people don't know about, like, like second chance center, like Mm -hmm. Hassan Latif. I watched that man his whole career, man. I tried to do everything that he did. You know what I mean? And I finally, I got invited to his office and he was like, man, I want you to, I want to partner with you, man. You know? And he said one thing to me that I'm always going to remember, man. He said, are you a hater? I said, what? And you know, everybody always says, even a hater will say, nah, I ain't no hater. You know what I mean? He was like, man, I surround my people because I've been doing my homework on you, a man of action, a person that puts initiatives and dreams and puts that forward. You know, we don't compete with others. We compete with ourselves to be better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of organizations that are out there that need that pickup. And I love that we're going to have, we're going to put SOS back on the map mm-hmm. and we're going to be able to get those people in here. You know, those different, those different organizations that are, that are starting out, you know, you got struggle of love out there doing some great work. You yes. got, you got Servicios de la Raza. You got, you got Hazelbrook, Sober Living, you know, uh, uh, Paradigm One. You got, man, I could, I could just go Step on and Denver. on. Step Denver is great. You know what I mean? They're, they, 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 shit, that, that dude, have you ever seen his story? I forgot his name. He used to walk around with a turtleneck and a baseball bat. Wow. Downtown Lamar, Larimer Street, you know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm. And he'd just chase away people that were trying to mess with alcoholics and get them into the, in his building, man. You know, that's like grassroots stuff, you know, that, that's, that Denver don't know about. You got, you got great organization out there, you know, um, <laughs> heavy hearts, heavy hands, you know what I mean? You got, you know, there's, there's just so many out there. Uh, you know, Jason McBride Foundation is always helping. I love us. that dude. I love that dude. Yeah, he's always helping us out with the turkeys, everything that he could do, you know, all that stuff. You know, a lot of people don't know about Prince Hall Freemasons, you know, doing a lot of different events out there. There's always somebody out there and you don't even know because it's kind of crazy. Like, it's funny when I became a Mason, I get all this knowledge and I can't say shit about it. <laughs> I can't, I'm sorry, I, I can't say nothing about it. You know? uh, but, you know, with that being said, I'm getting a little bit long winded and these are the type of things that I'm really excited about. You know, uh, you know, Max Media, uh, for me, as the founder of Tribe, Tribe Recovery Homes, Tribe Recovery Services, um, we just like to thank Max Media, Slim, you, and Sean for giving us this, this well, opportunity to, to get on the air and partner and and really, uh, let's have fun. Man. man, and I thank you for being the sponsor of this program. Oh, hi, this is Tomas Hernandez from Tribe Recovery Homes. You said almost 30 years that you suffered in your addiction. What made you decide, hey, you know what, I got to get clean? Man, I'll just say it straight up, man, embarrassment. Embarrassment. I'm 37 years old. I'm looking in the mirror, man. I look crazy. I got abscess in my arms. You know, I'm not no gang member no more that I thought I was. I'm not Mr. Proud prison guy. I'm not Mr. Slick that's out there making money. I was a damn junkie. Mm -hmm. My whole family couldn't stand me. My daughter was afraid of me, man. I couldn't put two nickels together. I couldn't put two, like, rational thoughts together, man. I needed help. I couldn't couldn't think right. Mm -hmm. I couldn't act right, man. I was, you know, I was going to die or stay in prison. And... Really, when I thought about it, I would sit there and tell myself I just wanted to die. No, I didn't. I just wanted to stop hurting. I just stopped, I wanted the pain to stop. And then it was a spiritual experience. You know, there's, there's a thing that people don't understand about recovery. They think that spirituality and religion are the same thing. And what we say in recovery is this. Religion is for people that are looking for heaven. Spirituality is for people that have been through hell looking for peace. 
So when I learned that, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna put that church away because you know I grew up like I grew up Roman Catholic, so you know <laughs> I was cool on the guilt for a minute. You know what I mean? I had enough guilt. Right. You know, let me let me go ahead and let me step back and let me just get fill this spiritual experience and let me have that conversation with the God of my own understanding, and let me trust somebody that's positive for once. You know, I remember the first guy that that that, that hugged me in recovery when I went into when I went into Stout Street. You know, he's seven foot tall, ex crip from from Colorado Springs. The dude was literally almost seven foot tall that gave me a hug. You know, my first mentor that's just retired, love him to death, Christopher Conway. You know, he's we got to get him on this show, man. He's like without you know, a doubt. You know, he's uh he's uh you know he's he's like Tommy. You know Tommy. You know I love you. I love you, Tommy. You know, you're going to be all world, kid. He goes, what What do you got planned for the day? You know, and this is after I get kicked out of this treatment center. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's just the example of love that a man that would call me every morning for a year straight, not getting paid for it, not for no rhyme or reason, just to tell me that I mattered. Mm-hmm. And that's what changed me. Mm-hmm. To tell me what, that I mattered, that I, that I was valid, that I was, I was wanted on this earth. Mm-hmm. That I could make change, I could make things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, when I get emotional, I got tears in my eyes about that because that's what I do every day. What that man gave me. You I know? see you give back all the time. Like you, you're the person that now picks up the phone and calls people to make sure that they're right. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I can't stop, man. I, I mean, you know, I kind of set up my own, my own. Uh, you know. If God's going to save me after messing up this town for, for, you know, and I literally did some really bad stuff here Mm -hmm. that only God could forgive. Let's just say it that way. Mm -hmm. I owe a financial and, and public service of men to the state of Colorado that I can't put a number on. You know what I mean? You got to do right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's my duty. If if somebody's going, if if I'm going to get a second chance, I got to give it back. I got to play it forward. You know, that's why we did try with Medicaid. That's why we're, we do the the beds. We try to figure out how to get vouchers, get it laced up so you can get in for free. You know what I mean? That's the way it should be. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You shouldn't have to pay to get help. Mm -hmm. And if we're as a community, if we angle the stuff and you're talking about politically, man, we got to figure out ways that we can make a model that the people that need help, don't have to pay for help. They can come in and get help because we have an infrastructure set up that they can do that. And 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 that's and that's my mission in life. And that's why you know I've you asked me why it started with embarrassment. Mm-hmm. It started with shame. It started being spiritually empty. But once I met the right people, it got me to the things that I'm I'm saying now. And I wouldn't have it any other way now. Don't think I'm some you know. <laughs> saint because you can ask my wife man i'm far from that and you know me very well <laughs> you know what I mean? but i'm just a guy but man that's that's really why i'm here man i'm, I'm just loving it. i'm loving living now my this is uh sharing our stories in this program is about addiction addiction and recovery and we, we share stories of addiction and recovery but we're also going to expand this year into mental health we want to talk about um things going on in our community. We want to talk about financial situations and how people are suffering because um, we're in a recession. You know, whether you want to say it or not, it's what it seems to be to myself. That's what I call it like I see it. Um, So we'll be going over a lot of different things. And Tomas Hernandez, who is here, is going to be my host. And um, he's my wise man, too, because um, I'm somebody who I've been to meetings um, I didn't go to a treatment center, um, 
And I'm going to just tell you a little bit about why the program went away and, and a little bit about how I came to first start this program several years ago. Um, I was an alcoholic, and I've done pretty much every drug in the world, too, Malhai. Everything but heroin. And... Um, I was always pretty good about putting drugs down, but one thing I could never seem to put down was alcohol. And I would drink every day, morning, noon, and night. I wake up, first thing I need to do is drink, smoke some weed, and then start drinking. And that was my my daily thing, and I'd drink all day long. And for people that have listened to me on the radio in the past, you were listening to a guy who was drunk on the radio every single day. I figured out how to get out of this building uh, during the commercials. Commercials tend to be, I'm going to be real with you, about six minutes. Okay, that's about how long we do commercials for. I figured out how to get out of the building, get in the elevator, get downstairs, run across the street, get into the to the liquor store, buy my liquor, have buy a couple of shooters, quite a few, have a couple on the way on the walk back, get back in the elevator, get back upstairs and be on the radio before you all even knew I was missing. All right. And that was my my daily routine. And it was terrible. And I'd go home and out on the weekend, I'd buy the biggest bottle of vodka you could get the big old monster. Man, it's like a giant stuffed animal to me on the weekend. I would take that home and I would I would go home and I'd start drinking that and I'm already drunk, as I told you, because I'm drunk the whole time. And I would start drinking that as soon as I got home. I would pass out by 8 o'clock at night. I'd, be, I'd get home at 6.30, be passed out by 8 o'clock, wake up at 11 p.m., like, oh, I still got the bottle. I'd start drinking it again, pass back out, wake up. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm thankful that it's 4 in the morning because, hey, that means it's still early on Saturday. I got plenty of time to drink. Start drinking again. Next thing I know, I'm passed out, and then it's noon. And I wake up at noon and I do it again. And this is pretty much the whole the whole weekend. Suddenly it's 8 o'clock at night on Saturday. I'm not sure if it's Sunday morning. That's how I've been drinking so much. I'm not sure if it's the morning or if it's the nighttime. But I'm, I'm excited that it's not Monday yet and I can keep drinking. And like I said, I bought the biggest bottle so I don't have to go back to the liquor store. And if I needed to, believe me, I, 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 at Sunday at 10 a.m., I'm the first person there sitting in the parking lot waiting for them to open their doors. And if they didn't open on time at 10 o'clock while I was probably still drunk from the night before, I got in my car because I was driving drunk through the city. I got in my car risking other people's lives and drove to the other liquor store to see if they were, if they were open. And on Sunday, the liquor store don't always want to open on time because those people got lives. And so it'd be 10, 15. And I'm like, oh, you ain't open either. I'll go find a different liquor store. And I keep doing that until I finally get my liquor and then bam, it's right back to it. And I'm going to keep drinking and drinking and drinking. And my mother would call me and, and she lived in California and she would call me and she'd say, hey, Adam, that's what my mom would call me. Adam, what are you doing? And I, oh, hi, mom, how you doing? She said, you drunk again? No, mom, I'm not drunk. And yes, you are. I can tell you're drunk. You're slurring. And I'd try to change the subject, and it would kill me. It would just eat me up. That my mother always knew I was drunk. It would just torture me over and over. And that was just the cycle. It was the nonstop cycle. 
And my mom came to visit me once. This is several, several years ago. This is seven years ago, probably, because my sobriety date is September 11th, 2016. I just passed six years this past September. Um, so about seven plus years ago, my mom came to visit me and she's in my house and my house is a mess and everything's dirty and the inside of my refrigerator looks like somebody throws up inside the refrigerator. Nobody threw up in the refrigerator, but you know, when you just don't take care of your fridge and it's dirty and filthy and there's food spilled around it and it's just gross, you put your fresh food in there, but your refrigerator is too dirty. You, it, it's really a trash can because you don't take care of it because you don't take care of yourself. Right? She comes to my house and she sees how terrible my house is and she's supposed to stay with me for a week to visit, but she stayed for two weeks. The second week she was just here scrubbing my house down. And she, and she said to me before she left, she goes, if I have to come here and see this place like this ever again, I'm never coming to visit you again. And that ate away at me. And it just, it just, it tore me to pieces. And I, and I couldn't handle that. But it didn't stop me. I was broken hearted about it and, and, it, and it hung over my head, but it didn't stop me. And then one day I came here on a weekend because I needed to do some work. I came to this studio uh, 10 a.m. on a Saturday to do some work and I walked in and I'd gone to the liquor because I, you know, I told you I'm drinking the whole time. I had just gone to the liquor store and I'd gotten all these bottles of liquor and I had them in my pockets and in my hands. And I was like, nobody's going to be in the building. So I'm going to walk in here just like I own the place. And I come walking into my studio with a cigarette in my lips about to light that up and bottles in my hands. And I open the door and there's a woman sitting this board right where I am right now. And her name was Tracy. I love this woman. She was sitting right here and she looks at me and she was a woman in recovery. And she looked at me and she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to work. She said, oh, really? I said, yeah. And she was like, okay, you sure you can do this? And I was like, no problem. And I sat down right where Tomas is sitting right now. I sat down in front of her and <clears throat> I, I was waiting for her to finish her work. And I put that cigarette to my lips and I took a lighter out inside this building and I lit that cigarette and... <laughs> And puffed it into the air. And she said, what the F are you thinking? And she got up and stormed out of here. That's the last. That's all she said. What the F are you thinking? And walked out of this building. And I sat here and I said, oh, man, I don't messed up. I don't really messed up. And she came back in about 15, 20 minutes later. And she said, you know, like I've done with my own addiction problems and you have a problem. And I said, yeah, I know I have a problem. And I started to tear up and talk to her. And she, she was like, you need to do something. And I was like, I know I need to do something. I know I do. I just don't know what to do. And over the next, over the next couple of weeks, I finally decided, you know what? Now my, there's people that I work with now who are now in on my problem. They all just thought I just, you know, I, got, I was getting away with it. I was getting away with it left and right. But now people know and my family knows and, 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 it, the, and the, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm realizing, wait a minute, I got to do something about this. So I decided I'm going to get sober. And it wasn't easy because it took me, <laughs> for, for a lot of people who have dealt with addiction are going to be like, man, Slim, your, your story's simple and it's true. Because I've heard, I've heard, I've spoken to over a hundred people, and honestly, my story is simple. My story is simple. Mine was willpower and strength for my own strength that that got me to my sobriety. 
But for nine days, I kept telling myself I'm going to get sober. I didn't know it was nine days until well into my sobriety because I thought it was freaking weeks. I thought I had weeks and weeks that I couldn't freaking figure out how to quit. Because every day, Tracy would come back and she'd be like, let's go to a a 12-step meeting. And we would go to this thing called uh, the one right up the street there on Hampton. Um, I ain't dead yet. We would go to these meetings that ain't dead yet. And after we left, I would tell her, I'm shaking. I haven't had anything to drink all day. Please take me to the liquor store. I'm going to be sick. And she was like, all right, I don't want you to be sick. I'm going to take you to the liquor store. And I kept suffering and suffering, but I just wanted it so, so bad. And I couldn't figure out how to find that, that, that sobriety. And then uh, one day, a friend of mine said, you know what? I'm going to stay with you all day. I'm going to stay with you and, and I'm going to be here so that you can make it through 24 hours. Because I think if you make it through 24 hours, you'll finally be able to start making your path. And I was like, I agree with you. I just, if I can just get the first 24 hours, because when you're drinking all the time or in drugs all the time, you can seem to find 24 hours here or there, but it's because you ran out of alcohol or you ran out of drugs. So that's why you find your 24 hours because you can't get access to it for a little while. So you go a day without it and you're like, yeah, see, I can go a day without it. No, you can't. You just couldn't get it that day because as soon as you could get it, you went and got it again. But when I wanted it, when I wanted it, finding that 24 hours was the hardest thing in the world. So I just wanted to get that 24 hours. And so my friend stayed with me from the moment I woke up all the way to about, it was a Sunday, Sunday, September 11th. Um, And my friend stayed with me until about 10 o'clock that night. And at 10 o'clock that night, they said, you know, I got to go to work tomorrow. And I, I hate to do this to you, but, you know, you're almost there. You got this. So... You know, I'm going to leave you and you just stay home and you got this. And they left. And about 10 minutes after they left, I was sitting on the foot of my bed and I was like, oh, man, I just I just go to the liquor store. It's right down the street. I just, man, just get one. I just want to get one. And then and I had shared everything on the first step I took. That nine days earlier, which I thought was weeks earlier, was I went on social media I went on Facebook and I decided to tell everybody, everybody, I put it, my post was, I am an addict and I am, and I want to get sober. And it was more than that, but that's what my post was, is I'm an addict, I'm an alcoholic and I want to get sober and people, I need your support. And it was probably three paragraphs, but that's what the message was. So I wanted, I wanted everybody to know. I wanted people to be able to point their finger at me and go, you know, you got a problem. You know, if I see you out drinking, I know about you. So that's what I wanted. So on that September 11th at 10 o'clock at night after my friend had left, I was sitting on the edge of the bed going, I could go to the liquor store and just go get one shooter. But a friend called me, a friend from high school named Angela James. And she called me and she said, hey, how you doing? And I said, oh, Angela, I'm still trying to get sober. I'm sitting here just trying to make this first 24 hours. And she said, well, hey, I, I called you for a reason. She said, I'm calling you right now because I've read your posts not too long ago and I need to share something with you that's really important to me and I said well what's that she said I just tonight I told my husband that I'm an alcoholic and I need some help and that I need to get sober and she said and I and I came to that conclusion because you were open about it and decided to talk about it and it made me decide that I I needed to talk about it 
And with that right there, I started bawling on the phone. I said, Angela, you couldn't call me at a more important time than you just called right now because I was just about ready to just give up on this day and go to the liquor store and, and not make this 24 hours that I need so much. And I'm, I'm, I can't believe that you just called right now. And she started crying and I started crying more. And we started talking about our problems and our, and our reasoning to why we want to quit. And suddenly time started going by. And this is a friend from high school, and I probably hadn't seen her in, I don't know, I graduated in 1992. This was 2016, so you can do the math on that. I hadn't seen her other than her wedding about five years earlier. And we st- then we started talking about high school and life and her kids and, and where we are. And suddenly, suddenly I looked at the clock, and it was midnight, and that's when the liquor store closed. And I said to Angela, Angela, I said, it's midnight. The liquor store is closed. I said, Angela, I can't go get any alcohol. I'm not, a, I wasn't a bar person. Cause I guess I could have gone to a bar, but wasn't even crossing my mind. I said, Angela, I can't go get any alcohol. I said, I'm going to make it, Angela. I just made 24 hours, Angela. I haven't had a drink since before midnight last night. So I've made it 24 hours, Angela. And we, we started cheering and crying some more. We wrapped up that conversation a little bit after that. And the next day I came into work, I woke up in the morning and I was so proud of myself because I had made, now I'm over 24 hours. I'm like probably, you know, 36 hours in the morning. I walked into my office here right at this radio station and I walked down the hall and everybody had seen my social media posts. So they all knew that I was on a mission. They didn't have any belief in me. I know that. And that's fine. That is absolutely fine that they didn't think I was going to succeed because you know what? I had failed for too long for them to believe that I was going to succeed. But I remember walking office to office and looking people inside the door and saying, hey, I'm on 36 hours. I, I haven't had a drink in 36 hours. And they were like, they gave me the soul clap, you know, the one, one clap, you know, yay for you. Because they still didn't believe I was going to, you know, move forward past that. But, you know, they gave me a little yay for you. And I came in the next day and I'm like, I'm over 48 hours now. I'm like 50 something hours. And I got two claps. And the next day, I'm on 76 hours, 70-something, more than 72, all right? And I got a little bit more clap. And what I was doing when I would go home every day is I was going home and I was locking myself in the house and I was scrubbing the floors and scrubbing my toilets and scrubbing my bathroom sink and, 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 my, and my shower and scrubbing my, my refrigerator. And I, man, and when I say scrubbing, I was like, I was like I'm going to use a toothbrush on this grout on this, on this floor in the kitchen. And I mean, seriously, a toothbrush. I was like, I'm going to stay busy with this. And suddenly it was a week. And I'm sitting here on a Monday saying it's been a week and and I, now I feel powerful. Now I had some moments and now I'm, you know, it continued for suddenly it's 30 days, 60 days. And I did have some moments where I was like, man, I don't want to do this no more. But I decided this is this was the path I was taking. I couldn't embarrass myself now after telling everybody this is what I was going to do and turn back. Now I am no failure. I do not fail. That has never been my mission in life. That's how I have this job today. Because when I decided this is what I wanted to do, it was my mission to make it happen. I do not fail at things. I'm sure I have lost at things, but I do not fail. There's a difference between failing and losing, all right? You can lose the baseball game, but you don't fail at playing. So I don't fail at things. So I was going to make this happen. And then 
just a couple of days ago is the sixth anniversary of my mom passing away mile high. So then what happened is I went to go visit my mom for Christmas. Well, my mom came to visit me first in November and she was so proud to see that I had gotten sober in September. And she was like, you know what? I need to quit drinking. And she was no alcoholic like myself, but she did drink wine every day. And she said, I need to quit. Now, don't tell the rest of the family, but I need to quit. And I was like, I won't tell anybody, Mom, but I'm really proud of you. We went to go see Mark Anthony while she was here at the Pepsi Center. It was a great show. Love me some Mark Anthony. And um, my mom left. She left. uh, It was the day after Election Day. So to put that in perspective for 2016. Um, And she left and she was very upset with who was winning the election. (laughs) And uh, she went home. And then it was Christmas time, and I went to go visit her. And on December 18th, right before I left to go visit her, my aunt called me and she said, hey, your mom is sick and she's in the hospital. I said, what's wrong? They said she's having some serious issues and she, she's yellow and she doesn't look okay. So I went home and I went to go see my mom and my mom, her stomach was bloated and she wasn't doing well and found out that, you know, the alcoholism of her life was now kicking her in the ass and that she was sick from her own alcoholism. And we tried everything. We, man, I, I took her to some meetings so that she could be proud of her quitting. And we tried praying and they tried, doctors tried different things, but I never remember if it was January 5th or 6th. I really just don't. But my mom passed away and uh, it, 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 it beat me up. It, it, it destroyed me. But I told myself my mom saw me sober, though. And my mom got sober. And I continued on my path of, of sobriety, dealing with depression, as we all do when we lose a family member or a friend or a loved one. And I continued my path of my sobriety. And my months continued to add up. And eventually I got to the point where I said, you know, I don't want to see anybody ever suffer the way I saw my mom suffer. It wasn't about how I saw myself suffer. It was how I saw my mom suffer. And that's what made me decide that I wanted to do this program. Because I didn't want anybody to ever suffer like my mom had suffered. And I thought if people, when people hear these stories of our addiction, because it was Tracy when she talked to me about her addiction, that really opened my eyes, let me know I wasn't alone. When you get forced to listen, like you can turn us off right now, but when you get, when you get stuck listening, when you get drawn into it, suddenly it opens your eyes up. So I... I, I I I thought, you know what, if I can do this radio program and I can just every week just touch one person, if just one person, whether it's for themselves or their family member listens and goes, you know what, I'm going to help myself or I'm going to help my friend. I'm going to help my loved one, my brother, my sister, my mother, my father, my cousin, my nephew, whoever it is. I'm going to help somebody. Well, then I'm going to succeed with this radio show. And that's how sharing our stories was born. Um, I, by sharing my story on Facebook, I made friends with a man named Sean Jenkins, who we mentioned earlier. And Sean, um, had a lot of, 
had a lot of experience. He went to Stout Street to find his recovery. He had been in prison. He had dealt with recovery programs and 12-step programs and and had more knowledge than I did because, like I said, I did this on my own and not through a program. And I thought, if I'm going to do this program and try to help people, I need somebody like Tomas sitting with me right now who can share with you other more wise ways and and understandings of how addiction and, and recovery work other than just my story of scrubbing the toilet. But I wanted people to hear these stories, and I thought if I bring in somebody every week who shares their story of their addiction and their recovery, you'll hear another pathway to your recovery. Some of them will be the same, and everybody's story, though they might have similarities, will all be different. And every time you'll learn something new. And so we started doing this program, and that's what gave birth to sharing our stories and and why we're sitting here once again today. And I told you at the beginning of this program that I stopped doing this show. And I'll tell you why I stopped doing this show. Because through the whole time that I was doing this show, I kept smoking marijuana. And I didn't think, you know, I, I do see, and I'll still say this, and I know Tomas will disagree with me, but I still see benefits for some people from marijuana. And I thought for some people it could be useful. And so because of that, since I saw, you know, there's the Charlotte's Web to help this kid who has, you know, seizures. Since I saw things like that, I thought, hey, you know what? Marijuana wasn't no damage to me. But for myself, it was just another coping mechanism and it was a damage to me. So I'd sit here doing this program and before each show, when I have a guest come in who's going to tell me about all the things that they've been through, I'm in the parking lot smoking a bowl of weed before I do this program. And I realized I couldn't do that. I couldn't do this program anymore. I didn't feel right doing this program when I couldn't deal with my own still issue that was bothering me because I didn't want to smoke weed anymore. Weed was making for me, for me, it was making me tired. It was making me slow. When I, when I do my radio show in the afternoon here on Jammin' 101.5, I would, I would have problems doing the show, problems holding a thought together, problems finishing my job, wanting to not pass out at four o'clock in the afternoon because I was smoking weed all day the way I would do. I was abusing marijuana the way I abused alcohol because I am an abuser. When I like something, I do it to the extreme. And so I didn't, I would do this program and I'd have somebody sitting across from me and they're telling me their story and 15 minutes into it, I'm like, what did they just talk about? I forgot. And I didn't feel right doing that. So I needed to finally get myself completely right. And so I quit smoking marijuana on September 19th of 2022. So it hasn't been that long. But if you know me, like I said, I don't fail at something. So when I've quit something, I'm done. There ain't no, there ain't no turning back. There, and not only am I done, if I smell marijuana, because I smell it when I'm on the freeway. I'm sure you've done it, too. You're just driving down the freeway. You're like, how am I going 65 miles an hour? And I can <laughs> smell some marijuana on this freeway. Like, is it the building that's growing it outside? Is it the person smoking in the car in front of me? Because I smell it. But it doesn't make me want it. When I go to a bar and hang out with some friends, I can go to a bar. Because I tell people, the alcohol ain't going to jump out the cup and get into me. It's going to sit in that cup right there. So I have no fear of the alcohol. I'm past that. I, uh, my, and, and when I say I'm done with something, I'm done with something. It's just that simple. 
So this program is back because now I feel like, you know what? I'm ready to bring this program to you correctly. I'm ready to bring in more guests. And I want us to continue to help people because the whole time that the program was gone, it ate away at me that I wasn't able to help anybody, that there, that there wasn't at least one person every week who was hearing this and going, man, I want to I get clean because I want you to be out there. And if you're suffering right now, right now, I want you to say, I want to get clean. And if you need to pick up the phone and call us, if you need to hit up Tomas, we're going to give you Tomas's information and you're going to get it every week. And you can tune in next week and get some more of this good love that we're going to put on these airwaves for you and learn about more ways of recovery and more things going on in our community. But it was time to bring this back and do it right. So that's my story. It was a lot longer than I wished it to be. And there's there's plenty more to tell you and plenty more I could share. And there's sob stories. And over the over the time, I'm sure I'll be like, oh, man, I got to tell you about when this happened. And Tomas is the same way. He's got a hundred and one things he could tell you. <laughs> he, he he gave you no story. He didn't he didn't just do what I did. He gave you none. He didn't tell you how he crashed his car right down the street from me one time and got p- picked up by the cops. And that was his last time, you know, right in front of the Knicks Garden Center. Yeah, yeah that was a whole high speed chase. All right. Yeah, the high speed <laughs> chase that he was in. All right. We, we, and, and you're listening and you're going, or maybe you're somebody who's just, just hearing us out. Or maybe you're somebody who's dealing with addiction going, man, I got stories too. Or maybe you're somebody in recovery who's like, man, I want to share with you guys. I want to tell, man, you're right. I want to talk to people too. And I've been told by people, you know what? You should keep this to yourself. You're not helping anybody. And maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. I believe they're wrong. I really do. You know, I've had people tell me when you, when we were doing the program last time, somebody's going to die. And you know what? We've had guests here who've come on, they've spoken, they've told their story and they're no longer with us. And they were in recovery. So, yeah, not every not every story, just because it sounds so wonderful here on the on the radio, always ends in the happy way that we want. But we're going to keep trying. And that's that's one of the big things is, you know, some strength to share some strength with people. And then the hope that you're going to succeed in it and the hope that you can continue to do it. So that's why this program is here. Um, That's why it's returned and that's why we call it sharing our stories, because we all have stories to share. So my name's Slim, and, I, and, and that's part of my story, because you can't tell somebody's story in 20 minutes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah. I think I did this about how long I just went off for. <laughs> he was good, because he had to have me on twice. I got oh, dude. <laughs> so the first time, Tomas is, I believe Tomas is my very first guest, or, or, yeah. or second, yeah. or second and Tomas, at that time, this program was 30 minutes long, and Tomas talked for an hour and 15 minutes. And I didn't, I could, at no point knew how to stop you. I had a lot to say. Yeah, and I went home that night, and I actually was tearing up at home because I have to edit this program, and I didn't know how to cut Tomas's life into little pieces to be 30 minutes long. And I literally told him, I said, I can't do this to you, bro. I can't choose what is in your life is important and what's not. You got to come in and do it again. And he came in and he cut it down to 40 minutes. And I was like, okay, well, I can cut out 10 minutes of this show without cutting out your life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But now, now we don't cut out anything. Now we're here. This is everything going on for an hour. And you've got a smile high. 
So I thank you for giving us some of your time this morning. Um, Tomas, Tribe Recovery Homes, um, we've got, we still have quite a bit of time here. Tell me a little bit about how Tribe Recovery Homes was first formed. Okay. Yeah, so uh, Tribe Recovery Homes. Um, and what you guys do. Okay, so Tribe Recovery Homes first started as Tribe Recovery Services. So basically what it was is just me in a 2000 Toyota Camry with a different hood because when I took one guy to the mountains, uh, an elk hit my car like Von Miller and almost <laughs> killed it. So, you know, I'm driving this car around and just basically I had the LLC because I was paid by different treatment centers to go pick people up, by, paid by families to go pick them up and take them to safety. You know, and that's just basically how the service work started. Um, pay for my gas, pay for my travel pay for my time and I will go wherever I can. So that ended up compounding to not just in that car. I've traveled to 36 states around the United States of America to go pick up young men and bring them into treatment centers and have that, that, you know, what we call a 12 step conversation Uh about recovery. And I learned a lot about a lot of people and I've seen a lot of organizations around the country and uh i started writing it down and i started getting more inspired and i started talking to different professionals and putting things together and uh i ended up getting my first house um and that was with the hornbuckle foundation that was with uh we called it soul repo and it was kind of the test tube and and uh mike decided to get out of that and he and his beautiful wife sarah hornbuckle they got their uh company together and we'll talk we'll get them on the air and mm-hmm. uh, hornbuckle foundation is still thriving and i ended up absorbing that house with uh two other houses um we had an apartment complex a little drawn out story on that but we ended up me and a guy named dan singer built that up to eight houses and it was just sober living and we really didn't have no eyes on on doing anything with treatment or anything like that but um in 2019 in november we weren't making the money that we needed to. I was working two jobs and my best friend in the whole world, Dan was sitting there just getting underpaid and I had to make a move and I prayed on it and I prayed on it and I prayed on it. And, uh, I got on the phone with a friend and I turned it into a nonprofit. And within a month later, 2020, we started as a nonprofit. I got we, November 27th is when we got, uh, our first nonprofit tax status. But, um, we didn't, I got the I got the letter on New Year's, mm-hmm. and it took us about six months on the conversion because we we took that all that for profit and turned it into the nonprofit on the housing. Um, I kept the services and we started the treatment center shortly after, and we've raised quite a bit of money, and we now have two treatment centers: one in Boulder, one in one in Denver, downtown off Twelfth and Mariposa. We have 11 houses going on 13, buying one, two in, De- in in Boulder right now. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's uh, we have about 40 employees. Man. That's crazy. I'm going to have a lot of them on. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm going to have to make sure on this list that we got. I got so much talent in that building alone, but I can't. We got to spread the wealth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But we're also going to showcase, uh, yeah, it's just, man. It's, Tribe is basically... We got a lot of people to talk to. Yeah, yeah. A we lot got of people a lot. to share, a lot of information to give. Absolutely. A lot of stories to tell. Yeah, and Tribe is basically, you know, we're, we're your, your local people's champ. 
I like that. We uh, we you got judicial problems. You got only Medicaid. You need help. You're getting out of jail. You know what I mean? These people that get out of jail, get out of prison. Sometimes there's nobody left. Mm-hmm. Just us. You know. So we got to be your family, and that's and that's where we positioned our life. Or you know, and that's and that's tribe. How many people you currently have in your homes? With that many homes, we have a hundred people. Whew. We have 100 people. We serve 100 people on a daily basis, 24-7. That's so awesome. We also have two uh, programs that are downtown. Well, three programs. One that's with uh, Second Chance Center, Second mm-hmm. Chance in the City, that we have uh, a what's called SECIC, and they come out of jail, and uh, out of the county jail and city jail, and we service them and help them with housing. Then we have the RAD program, which is we have two gentlemen, one that we're going to, two, both of them we're going to actually interview. One of them is, uh, I'm going to get his permission first, Marlon. Mm-hmm. It's his last name. He used to play ball, professional okay. ball. Okay. And you get to see an old school uh, Bronco come right out of that jail, and he's going he's gonna to give you resources. He's going to tell you about okay. recovery, and we're going to give you every resource. Then we've got a thing called PPC, which is in pretrial. And pretrial, uh, basically, um, pretrial, we got um, – we we service the people that come out th- from the pretrial officers and we get them get them services so it's not just housing mm-hmm. then you come down to the treatment center there and we have all the outpatient and what's great about that too if uh, it's eleven seventy five eleven seventy eight Mariposa Street look out for that is also after six o'clock we close the doors on one side uh, of the treatment center put a little partition that's in there and basically what we're doing there is twelve uh, step meetings so we make no money off of that that's all sticking to the traditions of 12 mm-hmm. steps you got so you got narcotics anonymous alcoholics anonymous cocaine anonymous in there and it's pumping all the way up to till midnight seven days a week and people are out there uh still getting their recovery you know you ain't got to make make a dollar on everything you just mm-hmm. got to be available and if he can't find space in his own tribe recovery homes for you i know this is a man who will he will hit the phone to find a place for you oh definitely you know this is the man who's a big heart so uh, as we wrap up today and we'll be back next week same time here 7 a.m on your radio um tomas how can people they can easily google tribe recovery homes and you will pop up first and foremost right there at the top uh is there a number that we can give out right now yeah so uh the number is 720-608-7423 so that's 72060 tribe. 72060 tribe. All right, Maha, feel free to use that number, pass that number along. Um, tell people about this program, share this program, that it exists, and uh, join us in, in stories of recovery again next week. Like I said, we'll be expanding into mental health. We want to talk about the, some of the racial problems happening in our community. It's not always just going to be about addiction, but um, that is our first mission is to help people find their recovery. And we hope to at least help one person each week. If we can help one person each week, then we've succeeded. If we help any more than that, man, we're throwing a party. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right? We're absolutely throwing a party. So, Mahai, this is Sharing Our Stories. My name is Slim. My co-host is Tomas Hernandez from Tribe Recovery Homes. You can catch us here thanks to Max Media and, of course, from the wonderful sponsorship of Tribe Recovery Homes here each week, Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll be here. Mahai, thank you very much for your time, and we hope you join us next week for Sharing Our Stories. <laughs>